Welcome to Necessary Illusions. I am your host, MC Squared. On this episode of the podcast, I interview Jory Micah. Jory is a Christian leftist, writer, influencer, and podcaster. In the show, we discuss leftist politics, world order, Zionism, and the Gaza crisis. I hope you enjoy the show. Solidarity forever. podcast back in 2023 maybe i don't know end of summer early fall something like that what's new have you been working on any projects doing any writings what's been going on in your life well um i've been on twitter way too much probably (laughs) that's where i'm doing most of my writing these days um but i also feel times are very urgent so and and blogs are kind of out of style now i used to write on a blog all the time but people are just aren't into it as much as they used to be so um i have got been getting back into being um being interviewed on podcasts again not just yours so um that's kind of cool like people are starting to reach out to me and asking me if if i'll come on their podcast so that's exciting you've been doing a lot of podcasts lately yeah i mean it's it's picking up it's picking up you know where people will um reach out to me and I don't personally have a podcast but I I go on a lot of podcasts so um anybody that would like me to come on their podcast just let me know and I probably will <laughs> you, you mentioned something about a sense of urgency talk to me a little bit about that I noticed the same sense of urgency I think there's a lot of crises going on simultaneously I take the environmental crisis seriously uh, I also, you know, think there's a student loan crisis. The cost of education is out of control in this country. Um, just generally, inflation, cost of living crisis, 2023. It was a very bad year for inflation. A lot of salaries remain stagnant, yet the cost of goods are kind of skyrocketing right now. Cost of housing is out of control. We got two wars going on: one in the Middle East, um, another one in uh, Ukraine. Um, we're involved in both of those wars. So it seems like there's always money for war, um, but never enough money to go around for education, health care, um, you know, or transportation, public transportation, infrastructure, a number of different things, a number of big problems going on in the home front in the United States. And yet uh, we're constantly involved in um, you know, war and conflict, sending billions of dollars, thousands of miles away, sometimes even sending soldiers to die in these conflicts that have nothing to do with um, American security or defense. 
but uh, back to you. I, I see a sense of urgency as well. Uh, wh- where do you get your sense of urgency and why do you feel like you need to do more? Why do you feel like you need to be you know, an activist and on the Internet and on Twitter to kind of get your message out there? Well, uh, number one is just like a, a, a sense of calling. You know, I think that to be an activist, you really do have to have a sense of calling um, because you get beat up a lot. You know? Uh, for some reason, the more the more you um, advocate for the poor, the more you get beat up, basically. Um, but that is part of the the just the insane inflation and the wars and everything. I mean, it's just everything is urgent and everything is in chaos. Um, but I think that the the real sense of urgency here is that that our leaders are pushing World War Three. Um, in the Middle East, and we have no idea how that could expand. Um, our leaders have made enemies all over the world because of their, their if you can even call it foreign policy, I, I would call it like gangsters or corruption. So that is really, the, the, the urgency is that literal, the worst criminals you can possibly think of are in charge of our government and there is um, there is a plan. I feel to uh, start. I don't feel that these wars are are based off my studies. I don't think they're organically just popping up. You know, I think these wars were being being started um, by the USA, and um, I've recently discovered that the Zionists are behind all of these wars in the Middle East. And um, now, when I say Zionists, I don't mean just Jewish people. I mean, anyone that claims to be a Zionist, and actually, in fact, um, there are more Christian Zionists, um, a lot more Christian Zionists than there are Jewish Zionists. Uh, however, we, um, we're being, uh, our government is basically owned by APAC, which is the Zionist lobby, the Israel lobbying group. Uh, which we can talk about just being ridiculous as a blogging in the first place, but nobody was able to answer why in the world do you have a foreign government that's able to lobby a politician? It's basically legal bribery. And they're getting paid enormous amounts of money to um, go along with the Zionist agenda, whether they're Zionist or not. Um, if you wouldn't mind, maybe turn up your mic a little bit. And uh, I got a question here, though. Um, what is Zionism? I'd like you to define it. Uh, I guess what I what I see is Zionism. I mean, I don't I haven't really studied religion too much, so what I think of Zionism is like I guess there's um, some biblical tradition where I guess it's written in one of those holy books that Jewish people belong back in their homeland or something along those lines. And that's, I guess, present day um, Israel and Palestine. And I think the, the Jewish state was created sometime after World War II. Uh, I, I remember a recent quote from Joe Biden that said something like, you know, if Israel didn't exist, we would have created one. The way and purpose I see for Israel um which is very much supported by, um, you know, U.S. power interests. Uh, Israel is basically a military outpost for the United States to allow the United States to control the Middle East um, using force so that they can maintain 
um, you know, control and power over the world's resources. We are a um, oil-based economy. We have been for quite some time now. That's the primary, um, you know, energy source of the world. And even if the United States was energy independent, it would still have a stake in Israel. It would still want to control Israel. The way I see it, I think Israel is a client state of the United States, so it inherits all the rights of the United States. So essentially not having to follow international law, just like the United States, Israel is a rogue state, frequently um, breaking international law, treaties, um, invading Israel and attacking other countries in and around um, the Middle East, and uh, essentially, you know, um, involved in being involved in um, war crimes and crimes against humanity. However, you see um, Palestine, whether you see it as a state or a stateless group of people, they're still committing, you know, harsh atrocity atrocities there. Uh, and I see it as genocide, and so do a lot of, um, you know, I guess people around the world. I think outside of the United States and U.S. power interests, it's pretty. Uh, I think clear to see uh, Israel is carrying out genocide there and being aided by the United States. So uh, the United States is complicit. So let's go back to the start, though. What is Zionism? How does it differ? Christian Zionism, Jewish Zionism, and, you know, what's what's the end game there? Um, I think that when it comes to the United States empire, you're absolutely right. Can you hear me okay? A little bit staticky, uh, but still not too bad. I can, I can still hear you. Yep. Okay. So I think that, what, like you said, it's, well, you're coming at it from the United States empire perspective, which is very practical. They want, they want the oil. It's a military outpost. It's a vassal of the United States, all that. But there's much more to this because you have to understand the religious side of it to understand that there's much more to this. So um, I'll start with Christian Zionism because I grew up in the evangelical movement. So uh, most Christian Zionists are evangelical. Um, but evangelicals basically believe something called the rapture. And they believe that in order for the Messiah Jesus to come to return, that um, a bunch of Jewish people need to be relocated to and that basically three-fourths of Jewish people need to die and, be con- and the rest be converted. You know, it, it's like... So, so to me, that sounds very racist and anti-Semitic. I don't think you can get any anti-Semitic than that, right? So the Christian Zionists are anti-Semitic, uh, although they, it seems like they support Israel. And one thing that Israel and their propaganda apparatus do is they, they, they're able to um, deflect 100% of criticism by saying that either you're a self-hating Jew for Jewish people that criticize the rogue state of Israel and their criminal politics, or you're anti-Semitic, which is absolutely ridiculous. You can easily, you know, uh, criticize the state of Israel without being anti-Semitic. But again, back to your point, to me, that sounds very anti-Semitic. It sounds like, you know, in order for the greater good, you know, a lot of Jewish people have to, to die. And I don't think that uh, I've heard or read that they don't believe that Jewish people were getting into heaven. Is that accurate? I don't know. They would not anti-Semitic at all, they just—they actually are the opposite because of that more extreme support of Israel. But they never really thought through, um, you know, the implications of their beliefs. And 
this has spread, this belief has spread throughout the entire evangelical church. And it's um, a huge, enormous problem, obviously, because the way that they're getting this, basically it's a call, they're being brainwashed. And it's because Zionists uh, are, the, the elite Zionists are paying off evangelical leaders. Whether that be Franklin Graham, uh, I, don't know, I can't remember all their names, uh, John Hagee, people like that, where they, they literally have the attention of the entire evangelical church, plus tons of Americans that just sort of a kind of a, they like this, but they might not go to church, but they like to listen to the spiritual preachers online. So, People are being indoctrinated by the television mostly, but then evangelicals will go to church and they'll say things like, okay, now it's time to pray for Israel. Even if Israel is committing a genocide, there's still, I try to talk to my evangelical friends about this, their immediate reaction is, uh, yeah, but, but we have to love the Jews, so can't be anti-Semitic. So there's a, there's, it's not just fear. It's a great fear of A, they're being told if they go against Israel, they will be cursed. Okay? And if they go for Israel, they will be blessed. Something that was actually added to the Bible, but that's a whole other theological conversation. But if anyone's interested, look up the Scofield Bible, because he basically was a Zionist pact that was a criminal. And he pretended to be a theologian and changed some of the Bible in the Old Testament to say some of this stuff. So, and he did it particularly with footnotes. You know, it's very manipulative the way they did it. So, anyhow, the, the, the evangelical church, their leaders, I would say, are anti Semitic. That, the law, I would say, it's, some of them are anti Semitic. There's a definitely some racism in that word sometimes. But, even bigger than that is the cult mentality. It's, if I say anything against Israel that I'm going to be cursed by God, all my friends are going to reject me, I might lose my job, you know, everybody's, I'm not going to be part of this community anymore. Um, not only that, but I have to, it forces me to unravel all of my beliefs in a way because we've been taught this since we were children and it's been so intertwined with all of the gospel and everything. But it really takes um, some critical thinking and some bravery to face this. And it's very difficult because, again, this is a cult. This is a cult mentality. And it's it's being spread throughout the entire evangelical church. Uh, and it's really scary for, for me to watch because you know, they, they believe that they believe that this this. Armageddon basically has to happen. Messiah return to see this today. Now, on the Jewish side, it's very interesting. They are waiting for their Messiah as well. But they reject this Christ as the Messiah. So they're still waiting for their first Messiah, basically. Even though I think they had about 20 different people that have become Messiah um, throughout the years. Um, so they are waiting for, for their Messiah, and they also think that there needs to be some kind of Armageddon to 
from in order to turn the Messiah to come back. So this is coming from the top down, the, the, the rabbis that, um, you know, they are basically the Pharisees. So can we compare and contrast um, the religions a little bit? I understand like the Abrahamic religions, I guess is what, Christianity, uh, Jewish, and uh, Muslim uh, are there a lot, a lot of similarities between those three religions? Are there many differences between those three religions? I guess those are probably the three most popular religions in the world. I know uh, probably Muslims, number one. There's billions of um, Muslim people in the world, and I think that's what a lot of people um, fear is a religious kind of East versus West Christianity and Jewish versus, you know, Muslim as being World War Three. I think that would be an awful thing. I think generally, though... If there is a World War III, there probably won't be civilization uh, around to talk about it if it happens. Because at this point, we have the capabilities of blowing up the planet and ensuring that future life and future civilization um, ceases to exist. Of course, with nuclear weapons. um, And the United States is sitting on a pile of nuclear weapons. I'm sure Israel is sitting on a pile of nuclear weapons. Russia is too. So just between those three countries... Uh, plenty of nukes to, um, you know, destroy the planet. But uh, back to the Abrahamic religions uh, and maybe a little bit of compare and contrast with World War III. Um, what, what are the differences and similarities between those um, three popular religions? To give you the basics. Uh, so Christianity believes that Jesus was the son of God and divine. And, um, and, Muslims believe that Jesus Christ was a prophet, and they're highly respectful of Jesus Christ, but um, they they don't they do not believe that Jesus Christ is divine, and they also don't believe that Jesus died on the cross. They believe that he was going to be killed on the cross, but escaped last minute. Um, so that I won't get into much about that because I'm not an expert on. <laughs> Muslim religion at all, but and then the Jewish people, um, they they are supposed to be practicing. Let's put it that way: the Torah. And the Torah is is not an easy Judaism is not an easy religion at all because uh, in the Old Testament, I think it's like six hundred and thirteen laws that they must follow, um, and there is it's not it's not an easy religion. But what what I believe is happening based off a lot of research is that the Jewish, the Jewish religion has been almost infiltrated, but it was infiltrated thousands of years ago um, in Babylon when the Jewish people were in Babylon. And Babylon, of course, they had all kinds of gods, and um, they, the Jewish religion was basically corrupted because um, they started serving Baal, which is, you know, a god, and then Mana, um, I forget what it's called, but there's several different gods. Um, and this Babylonian slash Judaism is basically a perversion of Judaism, and it's not based on the Torah, it's based on what's called the Talmud. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Talmud, but it, that it's an ancient Babylonian book, and it, it's basically um, Jewish mysticism, aka Kabbalah. And um, 
that's what's going on with, with why, why things have gone, gone so sour, because the truth is, is that most of the people that, at least people that are gay that are Jews, they're just culturally Jews. Um, they're not, they're not religious, most of them anymore. Um, but unfortunately, the ones that are religious, there seems to be, to me, two sects of ones that take religion seriously. One would be your anti-Zionist Jews, who I'm sure you've seen making a fuss, you know, out there. Um, and then you have your Zionist Jews, and your Zionist, so your anti-Zionist Jews are actually following the Torah, um, and they're trying to be godly people. So let's talk about the the, uh, the the Zionist Jews versus the anti-Zionist Jews, or at least you know people that believe in Zionism and anti-Zionism. People that are in opposition to Zionism, what are they usually in favor of? I mean, just international internationally, the most popular solution to the Israel-Palestine um, problem is a two-state settlement. You know, one state for Israel and one state for um, Palestine. And uh, I actually oppose. Uh, the, I, I oppose any state, um, you know, being founded on religion. So I, I oppose a Jewish state much in the same way that I oppose a Muslim state, much in the same way that I would oppose the United States being a Christian state. So I believe in democracy, um, but I believe in a democratic state of Israel and a democratic state of Palestine. And hopefully, you know, in both of those two states, my goal would be, you know, Muslim people, uh, Arabic people, Wow. you know, people of the West, you know, Christians, whomever, you know, can live peacefully in a democratic society, both in Israel and in Palestine. So I think that there should be territories, um, you know, for both, uh, you know, eth ethnic groups or, you know, both, you know, people that hopefully um, have differing beliefs, different religions, but hopefully they can, you know, exist peacefully. Uh, but what's happening is, you know, I think Israel is slowly taking over the entire region uh, of what's, you know, was once known as Palestine. And basically all you're having now is what the Gaza Strip um, and little pockets of, um, you know, Palestinian people uh, throughout uh, Israel. And it's actually worse than a, an apartheid state because Israel is not coexisting or relying on these people uh, like South African apartheid did for, you know, the service jobs. And, you know, essentially you had, um, you know, a wealthy elite uh, in South Africa and the 99%, you know, kind of serving those wealthy elites. What you're having in um, Israel is a, more of like a settler colonial society where they're just taking over anything that they want, the entire region, uh, including the resources uh, and any pockets of wealth, and, uh, you know, exterminating, you know, the Palestinians and, and you know, in their culture. So it's even worse um, than, than an apartheid state. But uh, what, what does the anti-Zionist believe? Do they kind of believe in the two-state settlement that maybe uh, Jews and Christians and uh, uh, Muslims can kind of coexist there? And, you know, maybe they're in favor of like a two-state settlement, Israel and Palestine? Or, or am I reading too much into the politics of it? Okay, that's all. <laughs> Basically, the Torah, Torah anti-Zionist they have made it clear that Muslims, Christians, and Jews lived together in peace for hundreds of years in Palestine prior to 1948, when uh, you know the Europeans, basically European Jews, were were basically shipped out there, um, and 
even then, the Muslims, they welcomed the Jews. You know, you have to remember that these, these people are basically cousins, you know, they, they, they should, they are family, you know, and so the Muslims, they welcomed the Jews and, but slowly the, the Zionist, you know, the Zionist ideology really kind of took over. And that's because it's coming from the very top, you know, the, the top rabbis, the top government officials. So the new solution now is that every, and everyone that knows that's into this subject says there, there will never ever be able to be a two-state solution because Israel doesn't want a two-state solution. Israel wants all of Palestine, plus it wants lots of other territories in like Syria, um, Lebanon, Yemen, like all those places. Like, and it's yeah. actually been attacking those, you know, not only attacking Gaza, the Gaza Strip, right, but other uh, countries in the in the region, right? Right, because they, they, what people need to understand is they, they have a plan called the Greater Israel Project, and that doesn't include just Palestine. It includes other Middle Eastern countries over there. And so it won't stop with just Palestine. So what's happening here is that there's a very warlike um, state of Israel. It's very warlike. And not every Israel Israelite believes this, obviously. Um, and in fact, I just saw a video of some, some people in Israel getting arrested for um, standing up for Palestinians. Now, that's very rare, though. Most of Israel hates Palestinians because they've been raised to hate them since they were little tiny, you know, babies. And, and indoctrinated, right, with this dogmatic, I, uh, whatever, worldview, I guess. Yes. So really what needs to happen is that, that at this point, um, Israel has really lost all trust. That it, Whatever trust Israel had left, um, I mean, Palestine had left for Israel, is, is completely gone. So really at this solution, most people, most people would say the solution is to return to a one state Palestine, um, but and to end the, ap the apartheid. Um, and then if people that are Jewish, they can stay there if they want to stay there, if they can cope with being in a, you know, a one Palestine, if they can cope with, with Palestinians being equal to them, which I don't think they can, because like I said, it, it's most of the it's most of the culture that want they want to see a genocide of the Palestinians. Okay? I think they can. I think they can coexist. I think a one state settlement is a lot farther into the future. I think two state settlement to start, and eventually, you know, a one state settlement, whether you call it Palestine, whether you call it Israel, or whether you call it, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. the kingdom of whatever, I, you know, or I guess sure. I don't like kingdoms, but, you know, the country or the state of whatever, you know, insert name. I could care less. I think democracy is the best way. I like egalitarian, you know, equal rights for all people. You know, whether your religion is, it doesn't matter. Equal rights for all people of all ethnicities, of all backgrounds. I think the long-term goal should be a one-state settlement. I think two-state settlement to at least start because at some point, you know, Palestine is going to be wiped off the map. And um, there's, a, there's a third option. You know, unfortunately, the third option is Israel continues to take whatever they want from Palestine and even grow their territory, their settler, settler colonial society aided by the United States and the European powers. 
Perhaps they continue to take over more territories within the region, not just of Palestine, but other countries. And I think the violence will continue as long as the rogue state of Israel is allowed to exist, and especially as it's supported by the United States and to a lesser degree Europe with ideological support, economic support, and of course military support. Uh, a lot of the weapons of destruction, mass destruction, you know, or just violence generally, a lot of the weapons are um, given to them by the United States. So, you know, Israel doesn't produce attack helicopters. What they use is uh, Apache helicopters made here in the United States and, you know, made a lot of their weapons from Boeing and Raytheon. A lot of the weapons that they are using to carry out genocide uh, is being made here, you know, right here in the United States and then being shipped overseas uh, to Israel, uh, along with billions and billions of dollars of aid, but that aid is being used uh, for genocide. So instead of our tax dollars being used for universal health care, uh, it's providing you know settler colonial society uh, and advanced territories for Israel and providing them with health care and their citizens with health care. And of course, the rich suburbs in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, you know, and their high quality of living. Uh, and life, uh, especially as it can be compared to um, the Palestinians. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, the third option, one state settlement, two state settlement, or the third option is basically Israel is allowed to kind of continue what they are doing, robbing, stealing, taking territory from Palestine and, you know, uh, countries and states within the region. And I think um, if this continues on, the violence is only going to be escalated and it absolutely could lead to, you know, the worst case scenario for me, which would be a World War Three. Yeah, exactly. And and honestly though, this um the the state of Israel, the current administration, if you really want to, you know, do something practical, you gotta get rid of them first of all, which Israel understands that. They don't want what had to say his name? The Prime Minister. Netanyahu, Benjamin Netanyahu. I have a hard time with that. But yeah, he um He's a psycho. He's just a he's a full blown psychopath. (laughs) He needs to go first of all. Second of all, yeah, um, it's really cool that South Africa is actually holding Israel accountable because they know how they know what an apartheid state looks like, and they also know how to get rid of one. And I I think the one state, two state, like you said, all that's probably a little bit more in the future. But right now, what needs to happen is they need to get rid of. The administration that they have and they need to end the apartheid and they need to end the genocide the problem is is that they don't want to do that at all and like you said it the united states is like their muscle so they we're complicit we're com- completely complicit in the genocide going on there right now 100 percent. and so is the uk and and canada and but we we are the most complicit for sure and that's because we keep sending them weapons, we keep sending them anything, letting them do whatever the heck they want. Um, and like you said, the leadership is is psycho, you know, so they are just, they are just, they want to get rid of Palestinians. They, they never wanted a two-state solution, ever. Never. You know, ever. Like, they always wanted that land for themselves and, and, and more land, more countries. Uh, and this has been going on for decades. So this is like the, the and, and I'm going to be real. They want World War Three. Maybe not all Israelis want World War Three, but the leadership they want World War Three. Um, I don't know the, the United States. Like I think like what you said, there it's not about 
religion or, or even the land as much as it is about the oil, um, you know, protecting the money, you know, protecting their money and their interests. But this is bigger than that. And, and we'll, we can get in a little bit to the Epstein stuff if you want. Yeah, let's transition. Last last thing about the Israel-Palestine stuff is there are real, like you, you had mentioned, censorship, repression, consequences. There, there are real consequences for speaking against the rogue state of Israel, for being critical of the policies of Israel, for being critical of the genocide that's going on right now before our eyes. Uh, yeah. But here in the United States and in Israel, but more so in the United States, because that's where we both are, there's real consequences. People are getting blacklisted. People are losing their jobs. People are being censured. Uh, people, especially at universities, you know, you're getting put on um, websites, you know, and, and being named. And, you know, perhaps their families could be in jeopardy and their safeties could be in, in jeopardy because, you know, the state of Israel and APAC and, you know, th- there's real power there. There's real power. There's real consequences so, um, you know, the censorship continues for people that uh, speak out against Israel. And, of course, there's propaganda. They're propaganda, propagandized. They're propaganda apparatus on social media and elsewhere. You get labeled an anti-Semite, um, which is ridiculous because um, basically anyone standing up to genocide, you know, at least from the Israeli propaganda apparatus, uh, you know, you're labeled an anti-Semite when in uh, all actuality, you're just uh, being a good, decent citizen and calling out, um, you know, criminal acts and uh, crimes against humanity, war crimes, and all those sorts of things that, uh, you know, are associated with genocide, you know, and ethnic cleansing. Um, you know, but again, you're, you're facing real consequences here in the United States because, um, you know, APAC and uh, the Israel lobby and, you know, the Israel, the state of Israel is very much so tied into corporate interests and uh, tied very, um, you know, delicately and, and very much intertwined with U.S. power interests. So those kind of things uh, kind of coincide. So, yeah, again, real consequences for people that speak out against Israel, even though it's clear to me that uh, they are carrying out crimes against humanity, war crimes and genocide. And like you said, it's 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 really bad in Israel if you want to speak out. Like even, even worse, here, you know. Yeah. Like it's it's really it's getting to the point where we might start getting arrested too, because you know that's the next step here. Um, and so I I kind of wanted to, to touch on on the Epstein stuff because Let's do it. It's, it's Epstein. Related. Okay, so um, Epstein and Maxwell, that the woman. They basically were Mossad spies, and their entire job was to make relationships with very powerful people and bring them to to their their island. Or they actually have a had a building in New York City where they would bring people, and they would um, you know let they would have sex with underage girls, and then then uh, Epstein would videotape it. So there are all these videotapes, first of all, that the FBI is sitting on. Why are they sitting on them? Second of all, nobody's been arrested except for um, Epstein and Maxwell, which they were, they are the tip of the, the, the very tip of the mountain, the, of the iceberg. They are, they were nobodies basically that were made to Seem like they were rich and powerful because they were they were the cover they were the front men, but really um, they were being paid by a by Zionists basically. And it's it, this why this is so important is because a lot of people will be like, 
well, how can a country the size of the United States be, be um, bossed around by this little country, Israel? Well, they got lots of dirt on our politicians. And they, we know it was a blackmail that's trafficking children. Um, to make matters even worse, I don't know if you saw this, but a few days ago, um, a Zionist-led synagogue in New York City was busted for having tunnels underneath of their synagogue. And there was a little child's mattress found in there that had a stain on it that looked like a blood stain. And there were other things that were weird that were found in there. And, um, you know, this story, it would never made mainstream media. It was, uh, you know, anytime this community does anything, it is, it's completely swept under the rug because the Zionists, they practically own everything. They own mainstream media, they own Hollywood. They, they, they're working on owning the academic, the, all the education at the Ivy League colleges now. I don't know if you noticed, they fired a black woman and, and put a Zionist in there um, at Harvard. So they are literally, they are literally taking over our country. Um, our politicians are trying to make it so that even saying that you're anti-Zionist is anti-Semitic because they know that, that we can't even talk about it. And people are getting more comfortable talking about it. And it was very dangerous because they rely on this whole, like, you're anti-Semitic spiel. And they they pretend like they don't rule the world, but then, but, but all the evidence is saying otherwise, you know? And, but how did they do it? They did it through APAC, first of all, which is, lobbying a foreign government lobbying the only foreign government that's allowed to lobby so basically they're they are bribing our politicians to support israel and they are also um they whoever will not be bribed is probably under some kind of epstein right lobby. blacklisted let me uh let me just get in here real quick and then you can kind of finish the point I don't think there is a big story here with the Epstein thing. I think it's um, mostly a distraction. Although, you know, there could be a lot of um, new information that comes out that would change my mind. Uh, I just think, you know, he was um, someone that leveraged um, this little political scheme uh, with underage women and, you know, blackmailing politicians and, you know, became a very powerful person, almost an untouchable. Uh, but generally speaking, I don't think that there is a conspiracy of you know, some network of pedophiles running our government and the world government. So I think I think the Epstein thing is a minor story. Other people think differently, especially on leftist Twitter. But that's my thought. That's my that's my thought. I, I think Epstein is a big creep. I haven't went too deep into it. I think Epstein is a big creep with and had some friends in high places. I don't think that there's a conspiracy or a network of pedophiles running the government or corporations. But I could be wrong. If there's more information that comes out, I might change my mind. Well, Secondly, let me just say this real quick, and then I'll, I'll give it back to you. Secondly, okay. I think uh, Israel, the entire state of Israel, would cease to exist without um, U.S. power. I think without U.S. Uh, financial, military, and ideological support, Israel would, again, cease to exist, especially the military support uh, and the weapons 
that uh, we ship there in the billions of billions of dollars of aid. Uh, if Israel was a state, one of the 50 states, if it was the 51st state, it would get more federal aid than any other state in the country, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, but U.S. power centers, if it didn't want Israel to exist, it would wipe it off the map. It would cease to exist. So I think it's the other way around. I think U.S. power interests prop up Israel and not Israel, you know, uh, runs the United States like a puppet regime. But that again, I, I think differently on this issue. Uh, I think a lot of people on leftist Twitter think like you do, but that's just my opinion. So back to you. Go ahead. I respect your opinion, but have you heard of Whitney Webb? I think, was that one of the underage girls or something? No. Whitney Webb is literally the, one of the most brilliant um, journalists that we have, independent journalists. And she's written an entire book called One Nation Under Blackmail. So he goes through literally every single person that is involved in this. So there is a conspiracy. I mean, it really, it's just facts. You know, you have to, but you have to read her book if you really want to understand. Because it, it there is. And it, 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 I'm not saying it's 100% the Zionist, but if you start to look through, you know, who paid Jeffrey Epstein? It was Les Lexner, who is a Zionist. He, uh, he used to be the CEO of Victoria's Secret. So this goes deep. It goes very deep. Um, Go ahead and plug the book, the author in the book, one more time just for anyone interested. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah, it's called One Nation Under Blackmail, and it's Whitney Webb. All right. Well, let's move on from the Epstein stuff. Um, okay. I got a couple more things, a couple more topics that we can get to. Uh, as always, the time is flying by. Let's go to um, let's go to Elon's takeover of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> since he's taken over Twitter, I think it's lost like two thirds of its value. Um, he's been doing a lot of um, silly shenanigans. Uh, I don't think he's in any way changed the platform for the better. In fact, there's a lot of people getting off Twitter. It seems like uh, you know we still have our little community uh, on leftist Twitter. It still seems uh, pretty strong, but there's a lot of people that I've interacted with that just don't tweet and aren't active as much as they used to be. So what say you about uh, Elon's takeover of Twitter and what's the state of Twitter right now? You use it a lot. I use it a lot. It's my favorite form of social media. But have you noticed any differences for the better or for the worse since uh, Elon's takeover? Um, you know what? I, I have noticed that, you know, I, I, I don't know if you saw last week, like a bunch of leftists got, got suspended. For speaking out against Israel, right? Right. So, I mean, again, why is it that anytime you speak about Israel, you know, you get punished in some way? Um, you can speak about the United States all you want, you can do it, but you can't speak about Israel in any negative, critical way, or you will get censored. And, and But my Twitter is actually the best that we have, maybe that, uh, that I have. I agree. Um, I agree with you. Like, I, I, in a way, like, I'm not an Elon Musk at all but i am grateful that um he has given us more freedom of speech than facebook like if i put something on facebook about israel it will get literally like one like or something like that when i when if i used to put something controversial on facebook it would just blow up 
So I know. I actually don't even use Facebook for the same uh, reasons uh, because of the censorship, and it's just so, too strong. So I don't even mess around with Facebook. In fact, I don't even have an MC Squared account. I am mainly on uh, Twitter, and then I have Blue Sky and uh, what's the other one? Threads. So I have those three. Those are the three accounts I use, but I use Twitter by far the most, and I think it's by far the best. Yeah, like I really can't complain too much about it. You just have to, you really have to be careful with how you word things, especially if you're going to criticize Israel. Yeah. Um, you, you can't, you, like some people are, are, you know, are using this as an opportunity to be hateful towards the entire Jewish people. That's right. And, and that's what I, we don't want to do. I, I think I, 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 I'm in favor of religious tolerance. You can believe whatever you want. I can believe whatever I want, and hopefully we can coexist peacefully. That's what I believe with religion. Yeah. I'm an I'm agnostic, so I don't think that we could ever truly know the right. nature of God, why we are here, or even the origin <laughs> of the universe. So that's kind of the way I, I think. I'm very scientific about my my place here, you know, on Earth and in the universe. But that's the way I think of it. But I believe in religious tolerance, whether you want to believe yeah. in. Christianity or Judaism or some other faith I've never even heard of, I'm fine with that. No problem. Same. Like, yeah, like, and, and honestly, we have to remember that the Zionists want us to hate Jewish people because that gives them the excuse to keep calling us anti-Semitic and saying, look, it's, you know, look, taking the attention off what they're doing, which is genocide and putting the attention on us. So, um, you know, so anyway, I, I think we have to be really careful with that. Uh, I, I highly respect the, the Torah Jews. I would look them up if anyone's interested or the um, Jewish for peace, Jews for peace or something like that. Yeah, there, there's a lot out there. There's a lot of Jewish people that are in favor of uh, a free Palestine and ending, you know, the genocide and in favor of the ceasefire. So I think uh, too many good people will get lumped in with the actions of the rogue state of Israel. I'm yeah. in favor of, you know, religious tolerance and Judaism and all that sort of thing. But the way, when I have a problem is when there's not a separation of church and state and right. when Israel acts and they claim to act on behalf of all Jews in the world, and that's just not the case. There's just a small group of psychopaths running the state of Israel that are committing war crimes, crimes against humanity, ethnic cleansing, and genocide, which I like to speak out against. Yeah, and I like to say to relate to Jewish people is that I totally understand from the Christian side because, you know, it, all the I'm completely embarrassed that all the people that I know and grow up with are Zionists, like. So I completely um, I emphasize or sympathize with with the Jewish people because I I know that they have to feel embarrassed. I know that they have to feel, you know, and I think that's why a lot of them are, are out there. They are the uh, they are the ones that are most organized, it seems to me, and against Zionism. Okay, I, let's let's move on here. You are a religious expert. I really appreciate having you on, but I want to get off the religious stuff. Let's get to more uh, mainstream issues. We got about eight minutes or so. Twenty twenty three, and what about just generally um, the Biden administration? Let's look back at twenty twenty three, maybe politically or you know big events that happened outside of Israel and Ukraine and all those sorts of things. How about mostly here in the United States? Anything noteworthy that you'd like to mention twenty twenty three or just the Biden administration generally? And how would you uh, how would you grade the Biden administration? I'd give them an F. How about you? I would give a. Uh, is there anything less than an F? <laughs> Let's, um, let's, let's throw them out of school. Let's throw them out of school. Literally, if you, literally, I've seen leftists thinking about voting for Trump. That's how bad it is. Same. 
Yeah. Like people that hated Trump, you know, and, and I'm just like, guys, like I, I'm not one of them. I feel that they, again, I feel that that they're, they're all for money and power, basically. And, and, and your your background, we've talked about this in the pre-call, uh, is kind of, you, you have a simplistic view on it, but I agree with. Money is the root of all evil. Let's, I, I think we talked about this a little bit, too. Uh, I think it's this is a biblical quote, right? JC, uh, it's easier for a, um, a, 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 it's easier for a camel to thread the head of a needle than for a rich man to get in heaven or something along those lines. So, right, yeah, right. money and capitalism, yeah, money is the root of evil. Yeah, it's a, exactly that. And that's exactly what's happening, um, you know, with, with everything that we're talking about. Yeah. And it's not money. It's the love. I don't know what you said, but it's the love of money. Um, and so you can be a dirt poor person and still be getting in the evil because you love money too much. Greed. You know, but obviously so we are we are dealing with um, elites that that are psychopaths to the point where they will commit genocide for money. You know, they will they will blow up the whole world for money. <laughs> it's like they so I'm actually uh, I'm I'm doing a deep dive on the banking system. And it's, uh, I read this yesterday and it was very interesting to me that banks very often uh, will finance both sides of a war because right. um, war is the biggest debt creator of all. So a lot of times um, the banks are behind both sides and they know at the end and they make agreements with the countries that, uh, hey, when the war is over, you have to hold the losing side and make them pay their debts. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, especially with capitalism. and A lot of people the, the... Don't, don't connect the dots that, I mean, maybe you have, but the banking system is mostly owned by the Rothschilds. I'm looking at that right now. I'm doing a deep dive on it. Yeah, in the 1700s, uh, the, the, both the Bank of England and the United States was owned by private investors and both think, um, you know, this documentary that I'm watching, that probably the majority stake was owned by one family. So this Rothschild family at one point was estimated they ha to have 50%, one family, 50% of the world's wealth. That is insane. They probably have more now. <laughs> because what they did is they basically the original Rothschild had five sons and he sent all his sons yep. all over Europe and slowly they, and then there, um, you could study this too, but I guess, you know, they were part of um, establishing the federal reserve That's in, right. in the That's United right. States. And that, that has been a huge, enormous problem, but, Big time. Um, but, but something just to put in your head, um, uh -oh, it, it, uh -oh. it is that the Rothschilds are Zionists and they own Israel. So oh boy, this is this is why they have so much power because they own all the banks. So that's why they can control everything and buy everything. And so that's <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. We're going we're going pretty pretty deep divey here. Okay, let's finish with some less deep dive stuff. What about Trump? Trump in 2024, does he win the Republican nomination? Does he win the presidency? And does he sit, does a sitting United States president sit in jail? What will happen? Do you think he'll, do you think he'll um, actually be charged criminally? Or do you think he'll actually be convicted criminally? Will he do any jail time? We got like two or three minutes. Okay. Give me your, well, give me your quick two or three again. minutes sum up of Trump. Go ahead. Trump. Okay, so Trump is also associated with the Zionist Rothschild. So... I feel that we have basically um, a choice between this Zionist or that Zionist. And 
So, but anyway, that I think Trump probably will win just because Joe Biden has just been so terrible. Biden is such a disaster that, yeah, I think people will vote for anyone that's not Joe Biden at this point. And even <laughs> if that's Trump, they'll vote yeah. for him. So I, I believe he will win. Um, I can't, unless some, you know, charismatic person rises up in the, in the meantime, but nobody even compares to his, um, you know, his, his audience, his following. His following is, is what is is so big and dangerous, to be honest, um, because they are passionate about Trump. So, so if we sit here a year from today, we're going to be sitting waiting for Donald Trump to be inaugurated uh, in six days. One year from today, if we get back together, you think Donald Trump is president-elect and we're sitting here saying, yes. hey, Donald Trump's going to be the next president of the United States? Yes, I do. I, think <laughs> I literally do. I, I do too. Will be the pre- next president, and hey, um, ahead, yeah, and I don't know. I mean, things were. This is the thing that I fear. I fear that each president builds off the next, and that they're all kind of in it together, they even are. though they act like they're not. And so it scares me a little bit because this Biden president has been so terrible, and um, you know what's next. You know, because I don't believe. I think Trump was a better president only because of the season, the timing, yeah. you know, what the, the economy the, was in a little bit better shape. I don't think the, yeah. essentially the president is a figurehead for, or maybe a, um, you know, maybe a mascot for the economy. If the economy is doing well, at least, you know, working people, if working people are doing well, or at least getting by, then, you know, the president is usually relatively right, popular exactly. in, in a cost of living crisis and two wars, you know, and like the economy is tanked under under Biden, at least certainly for working people with this inflation stuff. Yeah, he's going to be very unpopular. But yeah, it seemed like the economy was in a little bit better shape when Trump was president. But I don't at any mean I don't, I don't give Trump credit for that economy. You know what I mean? No, me neither. I exactly. And I don't I a lot of people will say, you know, well, there wasn't as much threats under Trump and all that. But I would just say that's because there is an agenda here. And, hey, and, hey, we got to go. It's going to time us okay. out in five seconds. Let's catch up in a couple months. Let's catch up in a couple yeah, months. I would love to. I'd love to, too. Have a great weekend. Now, thanks for your time. Uh, it's going to shut us off here. So uh, let's let's stay in touch. I'll talk to you later, Jory. Okay. See you later. Uh, bye-bye. bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Necessary Illusions. I also want to thank my special guest, Jory Micah, for a great discussion on politics, religion, Zionism, and the Gaza crisis. Again, I am your host, MC Squared. I'm out.